This is Thrive Perspectives, an ever-growing discussion about the issues and ideas that shape our lives with your guide, Dr. Matthew Jacoby. Morning, Matt. Good morning, Connell. It is morning, morning, uh, which is great. I've got a nice cup of coffee here that uh, Connell kindly brought in for us along with croissants. Mm. Mm. Is that how you say it, Matt? I thought you would know how to pronounce that correctly. Oh, no. No, you don't? Okay, good. (laughs) But yeah, well, I'm going to take... It's not German. In my opinion, then it's croissants, uh, (laughs) which leads nicely into our topic today. Welcome, listeners, to Thrive Perspectives. And actually, this... The title of our podcast is actually going to speak really well into this topic that we're talking about today because, Matt, we're going to be looking a little bit about how we approach our perspective or our opinion in a culture that really is pretty opinionated these days. So, Matt, why don't you introduce this topic as we continue our Christian Worldview series? Yeah, so the thing thing that I'm... I'm concerned about and increasingly concerned about as I look at our culture is the way in which our culture is kind of tearing itself apart and, and polarizing based on different opinions about different issues and, uh, how heated those, uh, those arguments get between the different factions, even within, you know, I've known even within families to families to split based on opinions. I mean, you know, uh, even over things like American politics or the Middle East or the, you know, these arguments get so, so heated and, and, and part of what allows for that is that people are so self-assured about their their opinions. I mean, mm. to hold a really strong opinion, even to the point where you will, you know, put a relationship in jeopardy. Yeah. Man, you need to be really sure that you're right uh, about that. And in in most cases, I doubt whether. Well, and we base that assurance. People are as sure, yeah, exactly. Know base, as much as they think. That's right. We base uh, it on social media feeds, and there's so yeah. much information out there that's flowing at us all the time. You this know? is, you know, this is largely what enables this. Is, I mean, I've heard it said before. A little bit of information is, you know, is pretty dangerous, and and we'll talk through that uh, a little bit, but. You know, the we live in the age of information. Uh, now people are saying we live in the age of disinformation, or at least competing um, sources of information, all that seem to sort of contradict each other. And so people kind of gather around those things as well. But the concern, and, and I'll say right up front, my concern is that as Christians and as a Christian community, we need to be modeling something different. Uh, we need to model what a different situation could look like. And I think we can. Uh, I think uh, with a bit of humility and the right sort of relational principles, uh, that doesn't mean that we avoid topics. Uh, I think we can, you know, we can talk about these things. You know, it's important that we recognize the relative importance of various issues and and so forth. But that's the, you know, that's my, my concern is, first of all, what's going on in our culture. I have a concern when that comes into the church and the yeah. church starts splitting over those things and people become alienated from each other uh, based on, you know, different opinions on things. I think that that's a disastrous situation because, as I said, I think that we can do better as yeah. a church. And there's such a big emphasis throughout the New Testament on unity. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important, too, to say uh, up front that unity does not mean uniformity. Uh, It doesn't mean that we all think the same things. I I mean, there's a certain amount of conviction that we need to have on the core elements of our faith. Uh, But arguably, those core elements are things that all Christian denominations with you know with exceptions uh yeah you know share and so in in a sense i don't think that's that's hard so yes there's there are certain fundamentals that we need to be aligned with and and so 
this this was the concern that I that I had in coming in into this uh, conversation. Now, I think and and one of the things that might first come to people's mind is yes, but isn't the history of the church, you know, riddled with yeah. doctrinal controversy and Christians arguing uh, with each other mm. about these sorts of things? Well, uh, yes. That is true to some extent. A, a lot of those discussions have been quite constructive, though. Mm. I mean, mm. uh, robust discussion about things has always mm. been helpful. I mean, throughout the history of the church, robust discussion has allowed for a lot more clarity, a lot more depth of understanding. It's all about how we have those, those mm. conversations. And yes, there have been rifts in, in the church mm. uh, between, you know, the Eastern and Western church uh, originally, uh, that, you know, around 1,000, what we now know as the Orthodox tradition split off from the Catholic tradition. There was some do- doctrinal stuff behind that, but it was a lot to do with with authority and, and what they recognise as, mm. uh, as final authority. Another thing that, that I've heard is, and particularly from a Catholic perspective, and this is a criticism of Protestantism, you know, well, there you are, you're all split off into different churches and you all do different things. And, and yeah. you know, how is that unity? Well, again, you know, my response is unity is not uniformity. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's interesting in the, in the early church up until three uh, up until pretty much three twenty five the Council of Nicaea, the Christian Church was there was quite a lot of diversity in the way that things were done uh, in Christian churches. There was even a fair bit of diversity around elements of belief. Now there were some things that I think from the time of the Council of Nicaea after Constantine that the Roman Emperor became a Christian and he got all the bishops together and said, look, we need to you know. He facilitated them coming to some level of agreement on some core, and they, those were some fundamentals, and they did, uh, they did uh, come to uh, some agreement on that. But you know, from that time on, you know, the, the idea of there be, being one church with one guy in charge to mm-hmm. to caricature it, yep. th- that's not necessarily unity. Just having one guy in charge and complete uniformity across all churches. I think one of the beauty, the beauty of the Protestant movement, is that. You know, we we recognise the Bible as our final authority, but there are slightly different interpretations. And actually, within the broadly speaking, the Protestant uh, community, there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of healthy debate going on. So the the diversity actually can be a, a strength. Yeah. I think it'd be fair to say too, within the Catholic tradition, there's also good oh, there debate is, and stuff that goes great on. Great debate, yeah, that's true. You yeah. know, so you know, we're, but also, but uh, those debates also gets. Get yes. solved to to some extent, but you, you're right. There is a fair bit of diversity within within yeah. the you know within the Catholic tradition. But I think it's important that w- when it comes to what we do and the way that we do things. So there's the yeah. you know there's there are fairly universal forms of worship in the you know in the Catholic Church yes. that that are implemented yeah. all, all around the world. And you know I mean there are some differences there, and that's that's all fine. I as I said, I like the diversity. I think that's in the Protestant movement. I think that's a healthy thing. Mm. So. The point is, is that we can have differences um, on things and we can have robust discussion that's helpful as long as we're able to have the robust discussion. And I guess where I want to get to here is what is it that enables constructive discussion around around various issues? And and how can we model to a society that is tearing itself apart and people are polarizing uh, into groups and there's increasingly miscommunication between those groups? Mm. Um, how can we model something different? And even within families, I mean, you know, That's right. even come yeah. right down to the family unit. There are, you know, even through the COVID 
situation where people had oh, different that was, opinions. That's right. Yeah, you know, very divisive within within family. So even down to that core. Mm. Yeah, uh, but you can recognise it within yourself as well. I don't know about you guys, but I can get quite angry mm. over mm. something that's so. Yeah, how, you know, like, well, why how am could I, they, yeah, that's, why am I getting angry or taking it so yeah, personally, personally yeah. you know, and it, it's just, I think being able to stand back and sort of at least look at yourself that way and, and go, well, yeah. why am I behaving like that? You yeah. know? And I think that's one of the big issues for me, uh, in, in the whole robust debate thing is it's really difficult to keep that confined to the issue mm-hmm. and not have it transfer across to the person, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a big challenge. You know, if someone believes a certain thing and we disagree with that, suddenly we think completely differently about that person mm. when it's just that issue. Yeah, that's right. Mm. I mean, there's the anger is also probably a symptom of a deeper problem. And I, I don't want to convict you too early <laughs> in the episode. <laughs> uh, come on. Right. But we'll, 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 we'll get to there, you know. But the, I, I think the first thing, and, and, and I'm just going to refer back to a, a previous episode that we did on the nature of our knowledge of God and and the fundamentals yeah, of, of our faith. I mean, one of the things that I underlined there is that we have a we have a very immediate firsthand knowledge of that. Even uh, we have even a more immediate knowledge of God because because God is living within us, and and you know we have this firsthand. It's in in a sense, as I've said, you know we're we're immersed. Not only are we immersed in the presence of God, but God is actively at work within us, even. There's nothing that we know more intimately and immediately uh, than we we know God. Yeah. And, um, and now someone might ask, well, what about uh, atheism? And well, sometimes the very immediacy of that knowledge is why we don't recognize it, because we're used to what, what I've referred to in a previous episode is this subject-object knowledge. It's an object out there that I know I can look at. I can sort of cir- you know circumscribe it into intellectually and, and grasp it in a sense. Well, you can't do that with God. And so that kind of power knowledge or control knowledge um, that is typical and, and validly form, you know, it's that's scientific knowledge. Um, we, we have this tendency to only recognize that as knowledge. Now, what I've argued argued is that there is actually a more immediate form of knowledge that we tend not to want to recognize um, and and the not and the knowledge that we have of God certainly the knowledge that we have of the work of the Holy Spirit and and the effects of the work of Christ in our lives this is this is a matter of first-hand knowledge what that means is that we become witnesses and the interesting the New Testament talks about us being witnesses uh, now, in a world with conflicting opinions in the first century, there's plenty of that. Uh, yeah. There were there were different philosophical schools, and you know it says in uh, Acts chapter 17, it talks about the Aeropagus in Greece, this this forum where they'd all get together, and it says that they love to do nothing else but you know argue all day, issues, you know, and yeah. debate yeah. about all their different their different opinions. So this this was around in that time. There were different you know uh, different people with different opinions and leading different philosophical schools, but it's interesting the way that the New Testament distinguishes the Christian message from that because yeah. uh, it's very careful to say we don't have uh, you know we don't have another opinion what we have as a witness we're first-hand witnesses mm. to something yeah uh, and so that puts you know that puts our our Christian witness on a completely different footing to say an opinion that I might have about how to solve the Middle yeah. East crisis or the war in Ukraine or or you know, Whatever it is, or American politics, or Australian politics, or whatever it is that we might want to argue about. The problem is there that opinion actually supersedes the witness. That yeah, you that's have. right, and and that's and that's a big 
you know, that, that becomes a big problem when this, I think, is a very big problem with Christian witness. When Christians go out with these uh, very strong opinions about things, the noise of that drowns out our witness. So, in fact, look, in, in you know, one of the things that concerns me the most is the self-assuredness about our opinions and, and perhaps our readiness to go out and spout our opinions mm. compared with our relative reticence or shyness about sharing our faith. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, people love going out and, and, you know, getting into expressing their opinions and just can't wait for the opportunity to express their opinions. Imagine if if we all had the same passion passion mm. and yeah. readiness to actually share our witness as Christians, man, there'd be revival, yeah, right? Would. Yeah. So so this is a big problem. Why are we so evangelistic about our opinions? And yet and 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 actually that, you know, I mean, that can cause all sorts of issues for us and others and yet yet so relatively slow mm. to share you know to to share our our christian witness yeah. so that's that's a problem and i think part of our christian witness i think is the way in which we hold our opinions and and the humility with which we hold yeah. that yeah. so i think the answer to this situation is humility i think uh, humility with how we hold our opinions yeah. In our culture is enormously countercultural, and as it would be an amazing witness uh, in our context. So, a- as a way of just broaching this issue, I-, I just want to really underscore the difference between Christian witness, what we know in this firsthand, what our witness is, and what our opinions are. But even then, within knowledge of other things, there are levels of knowledge that we can have uh, about things. And in, in in philosophy, you talk about epistemic rights. Am I within my epistemic rights to claim a certain, mm-hmm. you know, to claim that a certain uh, theory is true or something? And and there are, there are levels to what makes, sorry, what, just for the dumb ones like me in the room, explain what epistemic rights, is that, is that because from your personal experience, you can claim that to be true? Or what's, yeah, that's what's right. That so, yeah. so there are different, so, so episteme is knowledge in, in, mm-hmm. in Greek. So, so, it's about do I have a right to this opinion? Like, what what is the level of what is the level of certainty that I can have about right. this certain thing mm-hmm. that I'm claiming? Right yep. Yep. now, I can claim with a fair degree of certainty that you guys are sitting here in front of me in this room. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. but if if let's say I wasn't part of this podcast and 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 I was somewhere else, well, uh, I could. You know, I could surmise that well, you guys had scheduled uh, ten thirty to be in this room, and I could say, well, I, you know, uh, Connell and Stuart are most probably uh, in the studio recording a podcast. But anything could have happened. You could have crashed your car on the way, so I don't have as much certainty uh, about that as I know with here because I'm here and I'm seeing right. it right now, Scrum. right? Yep. So, so for me to say if I wasn't here, oh, Stuart and Connell are in the studio. Well, uh, that's I. I'm one step removed, uh, yeah. you know, from that. Let alone if if I just didn't know anything else about, you know, that you'd schedule that. So, so yeah. there are levels yeah, of great. That's so, good. Good. So it's almost like there's probability attached to almost all knowledge. Like, could we ever be a hundred percent? You could speak in terms certain. of. That's right. You could well, speak. Can in terms we of, be hundred percent? Yeah, but I'm, I'm not talking about the probability as much as. Certain. Well, well, well I'm, I'm talking about the probability of of us knowing that that's the case. Yes. But, we can put like a measurement, not that you'd measure it, but, you know, it's like a scale, like some yeah. things we can be more certain about than others. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and so, so there, 
you know, there are certain things, uh, there are certain things that I know. So, um, that I, that perhaps I might know more than you. And there are certain mm-hmm. things that you would know, uh, you know, more than me. So, you know, as a, you know, marketing analyst, there are certain things that you would know about how to do things in the field of marketing. Mm-hmm. I could have an opinion on that. It's like, yeah, I reckon that, uh, you know, I mean, you know, when when you first described to me some of your approach to marketing, I'm thinking, oh, I don't reckon that's a good idea. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit like, you know. And then I had to think, well, you know, Connell probably knows uh, what he's talking yeah, about here, yeah. and I and I probably don't. You know what I mean? I probably know less than you, mm. right? Now I know a fair bit about, um, uh, you know, about Kierkegaard. I did my my yep. PhD on, on Kierkegaard. Now now you guys might know uh, little bits and pieces. So so. The, the point is, so therefore, because of the, the research and the study that, that I've done on that, because of your experience in, in uh, you know, uh, marketing analysis, uh, you, you know, we, we, we each have uh, a certain level of epistemic right to claim certain. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's great. You, you know, we, that's we, defined. You can hold but, your yeah. opinions about what works in the marketing yeah. space with a much degree, much greater degree of confidence than I can have. Yeah, but- Never a hundred percent. No, confident. no, that's right. That's right. Never, never a hundred percent. And you can be a scientist, and still the, not be hundred percent. Yeah. The, the science, you know, you can be, yeah, any any kind of scientific. The whole scientific method is is based on the idea that you can always be, un, you know, proven that's right. an, an alternative, and you've always got to be. Open so you've always got to hold that in your hand. And that I might yeah. be, I might be. This is the best explanation we've got now, but we're open to the fact that it may be wrong, and we need to change it. That's right. And typically, people who have the highest levels of expertise in a given area, they tend to be the people who will will be the first to acknowledge Mm -hmm. that. It's often certitude in relation to complex issues is invariably a symptom of ignorance Mm -hmm. because the world just isn't that clear cut. It's... Particularly when you're talking about politics, I mean, even in scientific well, issues, to say, "Oh no, this is hundred percent. This is, you know, this is the case." Now, yeah. I mean, I think there are some things that they're probably close to that. But even then, the the beauty of the scientific method is that it's always open yeah. to falsification. This process of falsification, and so it's interesting that you know people who are experts on on certain issues will often hold those. Well, they'll say things like. You know, we think that this is the best way to go, but they they also understand mm. because being an expert in an issue in an issue means that you have confronted all of the opposing uh, options mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. and so that has a way of bringing a degree of humility yeah. to that. Like I think this is the case, but I've considered the strongest arguments now. Now when I, and and there's there's an element of appropriate humility to that. Now when I find myself feeling angry about, let's say, someone's views on the Middle East crisis, right? How could they? That's Or American politics. How, oh, just, it's so hmm. ridiculous that they would think that they, that they would think that. The best thing, I find the best thing to do is to read the best versions of the opposing argument. Hmm. And that that and I've re- oh actually yeah, no, this is pretty complex. <laughs> you yeah. know? And there is something uh, to that you know, to that other but, but that's, perspective. But I think the best experts, and by the any time I've actually spent time studying it, I think you go through this phase of where you get a little bit of knowledge and you go, that's it, I get it. Yeah, I've learned right. it all. I've, I've, I un- understand Because you've read a few it. articles and watched some YouTube clips. Yeah. And, yeah. But then as you start to study it more, then the complexity opens up into kind of a, 
a web of things that you don't know. And then as you kind of try to resolve them and study them, then the next layer of complexity reveals itself. So if you talk to the real experts in yeah. their field, they always describe themselves as still being a student, you know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And that the dangerous place for an expert to get to is where they become arrogant in that yeah. and go, I've spent all this time studying this and, you know, I kind of know it all and I, I stop I stop learning. So yeah. the best place the next and you can see in yourself in any kind of skill that you learn, you always move through that kind of you know, unconscious incompetence moves to yeah. conscious incompetence, incompetence and, <laughs> and, and so on. And it's it's that progression right. of knowledge that is And that's a really good point yeah. because a lot of people get trapped in the unconscious incompetence. Yeah. And and a step forward in in acquiring knowledge is to become conscious of yes. incompetence. Yeah. You know, and famously this was this was famously the um what Socrates in the you know, around 400 uh, BC in, in, in Athens, he would go around and he would discuss issues with people that had very strong opinions on things. Mm. And he would his his goal was to show them that they didn't know as much as they thought that they knew mm-hmm. about that, you know. Mm. And so a lot of the, 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 the Socratic dialogues that are recorded by um, Plato, a lot of the, the earliest ones that are more true to Socrates, uh, you, you get this this kind of um you don't get something firm at the end you get a you know you get something you do get something at the end but mm. not something as 100% as you started with but, and yeah, it's mean, prompting the question more than yeah, it is giving the answer in a sense that's right so uh, you know someone once asked socrates you know because you know it was well known that the you know that he was credited with being the wisest you know wisest man in the land and you know and and he he said well if i'm wise it's because i know how ignorant i am mm-hmm. that wisdom is knowing yeah. how ignorant you are yeah. and uh, ab- about and i'm talking about you know like objective facts here because remember i think i think we can be completely confident with our witness uh, as christians i think that's where yeah. that's where our confidence we 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 can literally at the point of dying for that you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. uh we we know that we know that we know Part of part of the problem, I think, is the way that also we get our information because the short form, the the shorter the form, like the you know the the sort of TikTok or the the, mm. the you YouTube know thirty second or, you, or mm. even the three minute YouTube clip mm. on something, mm. you know the grab from someone, mm. uh, the shorter the form it is, the more uh, the, the less likely it is. The, well, uh, mm. what am I trying to say? The, the short well, form is problematic because it doesn't allow for the complexities to come and out the whole context yeah well the, and it's the, also yeah. a person's that person's opinion yeah well they've, right. they've interpreted Correct. the facts and distilled it down to a little 30 second can narrative i just yeah, around on, yeah on that i really would just want to highlight this because i think the danger is in today's age we don't want to do the work of researching and asking all the questions and reading yeah. all the alternative positions and understanding. We just want to be told what's truth. And yeah. once you start down the social media, you're going to get reinforced. The first thing you click the over and over again, which then makes you think there's this huge body of evidence that proves that that yeah. position is correct because that's what it's designed to mm. give you what you want to read. And so yeah. I think, one of the challenges for us is we, we, we need to, as you said, Matt, not hold really strong opinions unless we're like those experts who have looked at all the opposing possibilities Yeah. Uh, because then we do recognize uh, our how incompetent yeah. we do become conscious mm. of how much we don't know, you know? Yeah. What, what I'm calling for here is not 
us saying, oh, we don't know, just shrugging our yes, shoulders no, and not right. caring about anything. Because there are serious issues in the world and, and we live in a democratic society and we that means we hold our government accountable mm. for what they do mm. and the decisions that they made. Now, for us as voters to hold them accountable for the decisions they made, we do need to have some level of engagement uh, with, with the issue. And this is the problem yeah. increasingly with democracy in this age of misinformation you, you know yeah. uh, misinformation is is that you get people polarizing into these groups and and, and different completely different sources and, and yeah. i mean honestly it's yeah. how democracy is going to particularly now with ai and how oh, ai yeah. can uh, what ai can do how democracy is going to work moving forward but that's another but, that's another but issue it's playing into the the um the fact that we tend to become tribal too so we we absorb information that aligns with something that allows us to Connect. become part of a particular tribe, mm-hmm. yeah. and so in some ways it's it's not just about the opinion. It's almost like it gives us a belonging, a, a, belo- sense, of belonging. a sense of belonging, and something yeah. to become passionate about. Yeah, like I'm pa- passionate about this political issue, yeah. and so. That, that sense of being energized by an issue and even mm. getting angry about it and going out and protesting and, mm. and arguing with people and trying to get people to convert to my viewpoint, mm. it becomes almost like a mission mm. yeah. of my life mm. in a way and that I've, I share with yeah, other and, people. And I've, I've, I, I don't think I've ever seen that done in a way that doesn't mm. eclipse someone's witness. I was just going to say, I think, yeah. you know, the challenge there is as Christians, just looking at the Christian community, we can be, as you just said, more passionate about arguing about some political issue or something or other than we ever are about advocating for what we can know to be true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, And I mean, I remember, you know, the whole passionate thing. I remember watching a documentary on Netflix, is not a promotion for it, about flat earthers. And they were so convinced and so passionate that towards the end, I'm going, Am I missing something here? You know, it's like these guys seem at conferences and communities and it's like it built this whole sense of belonging. And I think you're absolutely right. That feeds into our sense of wanting to belong to something as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, to be clear too, I'm not like there is a, there is a real place for advocacy for Mm. people that can't speak for themselves or or for people who are oppressed or, you know, um, there's, there's really something to say for advocacy, uh, for people like that, because that is, um, you know, that's something that is, uh, I guess, part of being concerned, uh, for each other. So I think advocacy is is important, but even there, you need to understand the issues. One thing to advocate for a group of people, and another thing to know what it is mm. that's going to solve the problem for yeah, them. Totally. And and so sometimes our passion for one thing gets mixed up with our passion for another thing. So I might be passionate about advocating for this certain group of people, but then I assume that I know what the mm-hmm. best solution is for that that mm. group of people. So. Uh, we've just got to make sure we separate the issues. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I'm, uh, I might be a passionate uh, advocate, advocate for the need to do something about our environmental situation. But then the politics is very, very complex and what mm. the right policy is and the, and the, Economic uh, impacts. Yeah, the, the economic impacts on not only in our country, but on third world countries. Mm. And, and, you know, we just, the, the more I look into that, you know, as passionate as I as I am about, you know, recognizing the problem yeah. and stewarding our, you know, this world that God's given us, yet I recognize the immense complexity mm-hmm. in trying to deal with that politically. In fact, in some ways, I, I it's, it, you know, I wonder if that's even possible mm-hmm. uh, to come up with political solution for that. But, you know, we should try and 
and so we shouldn't not do anything and we should advocate for those issues and but assuming that we know what the solution is but you're not building it in as part of your identity like that tribal identity it's not the thing that totally motivates you so you you hold it loosely in your hand that it's you're willing to challenge that it's not that if someone manages to prove you wrong on something you're going to be like emotionally crushed your identities being, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and so you've got to fight to, main, to maintain or yeah. hold on to that viewpoint. Yeah, that's right. So you've, you've got to be able to hold it at arm's length and loosely. Yeah. So that if alternative facts get revealed to you, that you're, you're quite happy to, to, to shift what, how, yeah, you, yeah. how you see that and re, reshape your opinion. Yeah. So the issue there is opinions should be held. If you're going to have an opinion, hold it loosely and somewhat at arm's length, recognising there's a whole lot. doesn't matter how much you know about it, there's still a whole lot you don't, don't know, know about it. Yeah. Hey Matt, uh, as we take a pause here in, in the podcast, uh, one of the things I know you've been doing recently is calling into prisons and meeting with mm. prisoners in the local prisons around where we are. And for a number of years now, for nearly a decade actually, we've been sending Thrive, the, the mm. Bible reading guide you, you write, into prisons in large quantities. Yeah. I think we send uh, nearly 4,000 copies of Thrive across yeah. prisons all over Australia. But you, you received a note from one of the chaplains at one yeah, of these yeah. prisons that you're calling into. Yeah. So I have the note here that says, as a prison chaplain, I've seen how much Thrive is appreciated by those in prison who are seeking to follow Jesus. number of daily devotional booklets are available uh, in prison. What is distinctive about Thrive is the guidance on daily reading of a specific book or books of the Bible uh, each issue. This gives a reader a deeper understanding of the Bible while still offering an accessible and pastorally aware approach. I encourage your support in making Thrive available to prisoners. Yeah. Look, I've, I, you know, I've seen that. It's, it's a wonderful resource for, for prisoners that have the time and ability, obviously, to engage with Scripture. But having something like that that guides them through books of the Bible has made an enormous impact. So massively appreciate those who have sponsored those yeah. editions of Thrive. I've heard back from prisons all over the country. I've had yeah. letters uh, from prisoners expressing their mm-hmm. appreciation, some of whom have come to faith uh, yeah, through absolutely. reading uh, the Thrive uh, booklet. So massively uh, appreciate the support from our supporters to make that possible. Yeah, that's absolutely. So if you want to help us with this, obviously, when we're sending 4,000 copies of Thrive into prison, there's a cost to printing those and shipping those and getting them there. And you could certainly help us do that. If you'd like to sponsor a prison subscription, it's just $16 a year. And that covers the cost of four copies of Thrive going into a prison somewhere in the country here. Then jump to the thrivetoday.tv website. Right at the top of the page, you'll see a heading that says sponsor a prison subscription we would so value your support demand for this uh, just continues to grow in our prisons thanks Matt I remember uh, just recently reading a book called uh, Reading the Times which is a theological reflection on the news and, mm. and it was really interesting you know it was saying that it's very difficult for us to engage meaningfully with everything that we hear but there are lots of big issues um, but they did say, but we shouldn't therefore try to engage with everything and think that we know As everything experts, about everything, yeah. you know, uh, nor should we disengage. Mm-hmm. The, the, the recommendation the author was making was that we, you know, we, we pray about it and, and recognize 
maybe a few areas that we can actually get to know and get involved with those areas, whether it be through advocacy or or get to know some of the issues around those areas in, in spe- specifically. And I'm not sure how, mm. how you sort of work that out. Isn't that part of what God puts on your heart, though? I mean, there are people who have a real heart for, you know, the socially disadvantaged, and, and they find God puts them in that space to do something about that issue. And yeah. other people, God will... Now, that doesn't mean that the uh, refugee issue isn't important or the whatever other no, that's right. issue yeah. isn't important, but it's just not on their heart, and God's got someone else for that work. You yeah, know? that's right. And that, yeah. that, look, you know, there are some issues that I've read... Uh, a fair bit on, and there are other issues that I haven't. I, I try to be across things fairly, uh, fairly generally. Um, mm. uh, but that's partly because I teach philosophy and ethics. And but I do think that to understand the very complex issues that are the subject of contemporary debates, that they are the subject of heated debates because they're complex, because they're very complex. So given that complexity, you know, it, it is therefore much more difficult. For anyone, even the experts, to really, you know, to, to come up with solutions or suggestions that are that's certainly going to be very far from hundred mm. percent, and so I think I think modelling humility looks like a recognition of, you know, even if we do read up on that, first of all, being able to say I don't know. There's a I'd love to mm. hear people say that more. I just don't know this very complex issue, and and I I care. Mm. I care, but I just don't know what the answer is. Why do we have to always have an, have an opinion? opinion? Yeah, that's a great and, point. And, and I, you know, well, there's an ego there too that yeah. I should know, or I at least want to make you think that I know. That's yes. right. Yeah. So, so you know, for example, I mean, I've very consciously practiced this in a theological mm. sense. There are certain theological issues, you know. Let's take uh, the issue, say, an end times issue of how things are going to unfold mm. in the end times. The issue of the millennium and mm talks about in Revelation chapter 20, and there's different views on that, pre-millennialism and post-millennialism and amillennialism. And then within pre-millennialism, there's all different versions of that. And people say, oh, so where do you stand? Where do you stand on that? I want to be quick to say, well, I actually I actually don't know. I haven't got a... Hmm. I'm, like, I'm okay with not having a fixed yeah. Uh, yeah. opinion on that. And, and sometimes the response, oh, well, you should read this. No, no, it's not that I haven't read the various uh, arguments that it's because actually I have. And the more that I read the opposing arguments, the more I recognize how complex the issue is and how this is a gray area. Maybe it's meant to be gray. Mm, yeah. I think that there are just issues that well, particularly theological issues, you know, and this is getting the back mystery. to the island and the ocean yeah. and yeah, the mystery. Yeah, there right. are just some yeah. theological issues that are below the surface mm-hmm. that we're never going to be able to, that we're not meant to be black and white about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we need to be able to say, oh, well, yeah, I, I, I just don't know. So I'm often saying when people are saying, because it's, it's often the gray areas mm-hmm. that people polarize on. You know, oh, you know, they might say, I'm a, I'm a pre-mill. What, what, what's your, you know, where, where are you? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, mm. I see a lot of strengths to that view. But, you know, I, I see some issues with that as well. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, I, I, like, I, I don't know. And why do you have to have? Yeah. Why do you why, have why to can't I, Yeah. Now, now as, long as, as long as there's something that I do know, and, and I believe that the, the most imp- the things that we need to know for salvation and life and mission, we know those things, mm-hmm. right? We're yeah. told what we need to know to know God and to live the life that God wants us to live. We know those yes. things. We're told those things. Mm-hmm. And so- a lot of those other things are like theoretical, like who I doesn't you know, matter. Yeah, I mm. mean, we've got to be prepared to 
well, first of all, recognize where the gray areas are in Christian beliefs mm-hmm. and n- not try and make gray areas black and white. We do know service yeah. uh, to uh, to the Bible by doing that. So, so I guess in having practiced that already and saying, and with theology, gen- you know, like I, I do know a bit about the opposing views. And, yeah. and, and so I've gotten used to saying, look about this, you know, I just, I, I just don't know. I, I haven't, you know, I'm swinging around here. Yeah. And so- for me, that's been good practice. So when it comes to issues that I actually know less yeah. about, you know, I mean, we've got the Middle East crisis, uh, you know, mm-hmm. raging, and and I mean, you know, I I have certain opinions about that, but I recognise the complexity. Mm-hmm. Do I have a better idea of what mm-hmm. of of the way that things should work, or yeah. or you know, um, well, I'm d- not you know, yeah. not one that I could give. And much again, dare, to. dare I call call us back to the, you know the whole COVID thing, which most of the world's leaders had never experienced before, yeah. and everyone wants to point the finger as armchair experts, but it's like I'm glad yeah. I wasn't in the position oh, where yeah, I no. had to make a call one uh, way or the yeah. other, because either way, you're going to get clobbered. You know, oh, it's yeah, like yeah. Um, I mean, the, yeah, the, the arm, you know, the armchair experts uh, abounded with that. And at the end of the day, you know, I had to make a decision to trust the advice of my doctor. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I did. I looked into it because mm. with 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 a lot of things like that, I just try to educate yeah. myself enough so that I understand. You know, but at the end of the day, even what I read, I still have to take that's right the advice of people that understand that's right. the issues better than I. And and the people having to make the big calls, the big decisions, they're having to take yeah. the advice of people as well. And I think this is where that the important part of us as the church praying for our leaders, even when we disagree with them, because they've they're in a position where they have to make a call. They can't yeah. just sit on the fence. Yeah, that's right. And and I think it's it's worth saying too, with the way that people express their opinions, mm-hmm. they you get this thing where people say, well, the data, you know, that you know, the data speaks for itself. Or the, these no, these are just the facts, yeah. right? <clears throat> well, for a start, data never speaks for itself. No. And always facts always come interpreted. There's mm-hmm. there's no doubt about you know there's no there's doubt. There's always about a that. narrative. Yeah, though. there's never we, we don't have bare facts don't really mm. I- exist. There's always an element of, mm. of interpretation to that. So I guess it's recognizing uh, again, this is recognizing sort of what you don't know. And I think a little bit of uh, sort of basic critical thinking is needed, I think, to understand uh, that the, the way that data works and that supposed facts work, it, it's just a little bit more complicated than it being at face. Yeah. You know, well, if you're just- going to build a narrative, it's built on facts, but the facts don't tell the narrative. The narrative is the interpretation, and you can produce different interpretations of that the data and facts that kind of because it's you're filling in the gaps in between that you know this fact so therefore you would build okay, some yeah, sort so, of explanation yeah, around that and, and fill the gaps yeah. in but there'd probably be a whole heap of different stories and narratives you can build around those facts okay so good point so we build we build stories based on facts but we also interpret facts in the light of this in the story that we believe mm. that's right mm. again facts uh, never sit Mm-hmm. In a in a neutral in a neutral space, there's always a framework. There's always a context in which a fact yeah. uh, a fact sits. So Matt, I'm trying to land this a little bit yeah. to start getting to a sort of a landing point a little bit as Christians. You know, when we get into 
these sorts of situations. I think I've heard you say before, one of the things you always look for when you're having a conversation with someone who, who's perhaps not a believer uh, or, or, you know, you're always trying to find the common ground. What can we agree on? What, yeah. what you know, yeah. and I think it'd be great to kind of talk a bit about how we should approach that with the humility of our opinions, for want of a better word, and on yeah. world issues, uh, putting, a, again, recognizing that we know what we know what we know about yeah. our faith and about who Christ is and who we're called to be in our salvation. But yeah, yeah. one of the things I I think we can model as a Christian community is the ability to have humble, robust discussion and have differences of opinions. I, I, I think I actually value within a church context that that we have differences of, of opinion, even on actually a number of uh, outlying doctrinal elements. Mm. And I'm, I'm saying outline doctrinal mm. elements because I think there are, there are fundamentals that we need to agree on in order to, we have to be united around something, something right? Yeah. But there are, there are plenty of outlying things that, that I actually value uh, robust disagreement because as long as we're not getting lost in endless theoretical conversations mm. about theology, and sometimes that can get Because at the uh, end of ridiculous. the day, in some sense, it doesn't matter, yep. but there are the core things. Our church is united around a set of core doctrinal issues. Yeah, that's right. Uh, statements that that's what unites us, mm. and they're the core things. Yeah, and right. they actually unite us with so many other denominations and, and churches and, and so on. So there's a, there's a unity from within yeah. our church, but it also unites us with the broader Christian yeah, that's right. context. And then within that, there's all those other things that... They're interesting and they're kind of, they're worth thinking about because they could influence, you know, how we think and respond and react to God yeah. and, mm. and, and issues and so on. But at the end of the day, we we shouldn't be uniting, looking to unite around those issues mm. in themselves mm. because that, that they're not going to be. So a lot of people yeah. would leave <clears throat> a church because they want to go and find a church that believes a certain yeah. political yeah. position that they take. And you yeah. see that all the time. People, yeah. you didn't make some statement about something the government yeah. said. Yeah. Oh, well, that's it. We're going to move on yeah. and go and find another church. That's not where you're going to find no. the unity. The yeah. unity can only come from those core things yeah. that are actually foundationally, fundamentally And, and it's, it's, val it's quite valuable to have within a church context yeah. differences of opinion because it means we can, we can have discussion, we can learn from each other, we can challenge one another. You actually want that. You know, yeah. that's, that's an important dynamic. And, and I, think, I think if we are willing to have due humility, yeah. mm. it's possible. But it's only possible if we're willing to have enough humility to be able to say, there's a pretty high chance that I could be wrong. So I'm going to listen to this person mm. uh, and they might express, uh, you know, they might express uh, an, an opinion that challenges mm -hmm. my point. Even, even in an area that I might be an expert at, sometimes you can get so close to an issue uh, and think you know something when there's actually some blind spots and someone coming from a completely different outside perspective yeah. can say, oh, but what about this? And you think, oh, man, I've never thought mm -hmm. of that before. So so this is where, where I think it's important to preserve the diversity of the community so that we can be having, you know, robust discussion and learn from each other. As long as, of course, we're not – I don't think that it's it's productive for Christians to be sitting about sitting around talking about politics and issues because all of that becomes theoretical. I, mm. I, you know, I think let's be 
Well, you can talk about it, Focusing but on as the long as it's things. just interesting. That's right. It's not as long as point. we're letting the main thing be the main You're thing. You're not trying yeah. to build unity around that because yeah. that's where we get to with our opinions. We're yeah. trying to get, you know, if I, I'll be arguing with someone because I want to convert them to my opinion. Mm. Yeah. And so I'm trying to build unity around that. Yeah. I think even around church stuff and theological stuff, though, I think we can get bogged down in things. And I've often found myself, and I'm asking myself the question, knowing the answer to this, how is that going to change the way I live my life for Christ? Yeah, very good. Yeah, very good. If it isn't going to make any difference to how I look, why is it so important to argue this point? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Maybe a good model, based on what you've said, is that maybe the point of the argument is not so much to win the argument and convert someone to your opinion, but it's, it's in the process of showing that there's more complexity behind an issue, yeah. you know, what we said before, I think it's like Socrates was was there to kind of like prompt questions mm. and 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 question your certainty, really question question your certainty, and I yeah. think that's a valuable thing to be able to do because people are holding these hard opinions, yeah, and they're not going to shift. Maybe there's a big part for us to play in actually helping them see that the ground that they're standing on isn't just solid as they now i'm not trying to can change their mind mm. but at least have you thought about this are yeah. you aware of this complexity yeah have you read this you know starting to build that out so i'm not trying to convert you to what i think but i'm just going to put stuff in there to soften the stance yeah to lower that's a good way of putting it yeah. lower the lower the hostility and, and the, the thing i think that that does is that it the more i recognize the gray areas the more i appreciate what's black and white and you know, by recognizing complexity, like if the Middle East, you know, if I'm looking at the Middle East crisis thinking, oh, they should just do this. Why, you know, why is everyone being so stupid? And they should, you know, there's this, this is the answer. Mm-hmm. Well, by recognizing the immense complexity, even, you know, something close to insolubility about that, yeah. it, it makes me, it brings me back to the fundamentals because I think this world needs Jesus. Yeah. Absolutely. This world needs Jesus. The, the the endless conflict of this world system is not going to ultimate. Now, we of course, we should do everything we can to bring peace uh, in this world, but the ultimately the problem is only going to be solved because of the complexity, right? Mm. Because of embedded multi-generational complexity in so many respects. This world needs Jesus. Mm. You know, Jesus is is the answer. And and we need to come back to that. For me, looking at complexity isn't about um, just muddying the waters so much that you throw up your hands and think, I won't care. No, it's the opposite. I think there's so much complexity. And because I care, I realize that this world needs Jesus. And, and that's not simplistic. That actually is the answer that the Bible puts mm. uh, before us. Because Jesus is ushering in a whole new kingdom, you know, completely different world system. And that is that is the answer that the Bible brings to that. Yeah. And we can have a taste of that reign of peace now, uh, and we should do everything we can to give people a taste of that. But ultimately, all of these complex issues and the layers of complexity have come about because the world has been thrown into chaos, right? Yeah, yeah. And chaos is complexity, right? Mm-hmm. And only Jesus is the one that is going to bring order in this chaos, as as with the beginning, with it, you know, with the new creation. And so, as we look on to a world that is tearing itself apart politically, you know, with wars, with all all these sorts of issues, the flood of disinformation, and and I mean, you know, you've got people scratching their heads, thinking this is becoming so complex, even democracy itself. You know, liberal democracies, which were the great hope, you know, this is how we're going to bring about our political utopia. 
even democracy looks like it's under threat now. And so you've got people thinking, oh man, this is just hopeless. Well, yes, without Jesus, it is hopeless. And that's why we trust in Jesus. That's why we put uh, our hope in him alone. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Thrive Perspectives. Our hope is that these discussions will challenge you to look at life from a new perspective. You'll find all our resources at the Thrive Today website, thrivetoday.tv. If there's a topic that you'd like us to discuss, please email us. Our email is contact at thrivetoday.tv. Until next time, our prayer is that you will thrive.